Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Once again, the Bays team is the best team, the Golden State Warriors. Strength in Numbers, Brandon Cadiz here for another new episode as we bring you guys every single week. You're listening to this podcast on Believe Network as well as Rick Barry's house. Well, the Dubs, second to last matchup in Summer League action coming tonight and it is a prime time matchup. The Warriors squaring off against the Oklahoma City Thunder led by number two overall pick in this year's draft, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. And the Golden State Warriors will be seeing James Wiseman in his third game of summer league play. That's the matchup everyone is going to be looking out for. Holmgren versus James Wiseman. But before we do so, we have to talk about James Wiseman's two games that he's played already in Summer League, starting off with his debut against the San Antonio Spurs last weekend. And James Wiseman, first play, first possession, off of the tip-off at center court. It was an alley-oop smash, two-handed from Jonathan Kaminga. And Off the pick-and-roll, James Wiseman looked amazing on the offensive end there against the San Antonio Spurs. In his first run on the court in a year and a half of action, five points for the big ticket, one for one from beyond the arc, two blocks and one rebound in about four minutes of play. Just under four minutes, it was about 340-something. So we'll round that up and say it was four minutes of action for James Wiseman. Wiseman would go on to finish with 11 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 blocks, but 5 of 7 from the field, and he had a nice little turnaway jumper. His mid-range shot is looking quite good there in that first game against the San Antonio Spurs now. The question is his rebounding. There was a lot of times where he was boxing out his guy and his teammate got the rebound, also known a lot as the Steph Curry stats, right? Like Steph comes in, steals that rebound in the regular season. Draymond and Kevon do the great boxing out there. That's exactly what James Wiseman did in the first game. But there was also possessions in which he was just out bullied. He didn't have the right positioning. He was pushed a little bit too much in the restricted area. That defender got the offensive board. And rebounding has been an issue for James Wiseman ever since he has been in the league. But to be fair, James Wiseman, of course, gaining that 20 pounds of muscle, a completely different frame from what we saw two seasons ago out of Memphis for the rookie. But James Wiseman, I think on the offensive end, was spectacular. You saw his rim running capability, the explosiveness there off the pick of roll from him and Jonathan Kaminga. But then that mid-range jumper and that three-pointer was looking quite nice there in that first game. What is of concern, though, is the fouling. You know, in NBA Summer League, 10 fouls and you fouled out. James Wiseman had seven fouls in 19 minutes of action. That is something to be of concern. I think he has improved from what we saw, though, of him jumping and uh 
getting baited for those pump fakes. And we'll talk more about that on the other side, but we have to get to our sponsor at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Back to Wiseman, and I think, like I said before, he has the ability on the defensive end, no doubt. What was evident to me is his improvement on standing his ground and not uh, getting baited for as many pump fakes as he used to in his rookie season. The bigger frame definitely helps with that. And the ability to be able to compete against guys that try to throw it down on him. He had two blocks in those early four minutes of play. And James Wiseman's ability just to recover, I think, on one of those plays. It was the second block where he was in the restricted area. The man drove by him and he was able to recover and get that rejection. The first one was just a straight-up block for James Wiseman. Saw it from a mile away. And just that ability, we talk about it of who James Wiseman, uh, his comp could be or who we want it to be. Earlier on when he got drafted, it was if he can just be Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, after those knee injuries by Triple J, we saw the impact he had against the Warriors and the Grizzlies in that series of the playoff round this season. But also, Robert Williams III would be the ideal comp that James Wiseman could be. You know, James Wiseman in that first game, 70% from the field. Robert Williams III, a absolute lob threat and an ability to be in that dunker spot. But he also has the ability to finish with a nice touch at the rim. James needs to improve on that nice touch at the rim. But we saw all of these hype videos over the summer of him. Uh, you know, recovering and rehabbing that he has definitely improved his touch at the rim. What I saw early in that first game, though, is how well that jumper has looked. The second game, though, was a different story. Warriors taking on the Boston Celtics, and James Wiseman saw 20 minutes of action. He went 3 of 9 from the field, 0 of 1 from beyond the arc. He finished with six points. He had seven rebounds, though, which was great to see. But he had three blocks in that contest. So two blocks in the first one, three blocks against the Boston Celtics. That is something we like to see from Wiseman. If he averages two blocks per game, that is definitely a win on the defensive end if you're the Golden State Warriors. The potential is there. Don't get me wrong. What is concerning, again, 12,040 minutes of action for James Wiseman, but I, when he when he's able to utilize and understand that he has the seven six wingspan, and there was this one play where Steve Kerr was in attendance, and they pan over to him after James Wiseman makes a verticality play where he just cont contests the shot, goes straight up, 
and then forces it out of bounds. And you see Steve Kerr there getting panned on on the sidelines, and he looked amazed by what James just did there. It's going to be all about the repetitions, and I think this is something that a lot of people like to do. And hey, I'll say I did this myself, is overreacting to summer league games, especially if they're big stars or high draft picks. James Wiseman, we've seen amazing games so far by Chet Holmgren in his debut, and also Paolo Bancaro before the Magic saw two games from him or whatever it was and shut him down. Smart move there by Orlando. You know, Summer League does not matter unless it's for development, and if you think you're going to protect him from injuries, do exactly that. Now for Wiseman, I'm looking this up right now. In his lone season there, 2020-2021 season, he played 39 games for the Warriors, started 27 of them, and averaged 21.4 minutes. Shot 51% from the field, basically 52, 31% from beyond the arc. And he also delivered with 11.5 points and about 6 rebounds. Now, when you look at those numbers, if... He's on track for that. If you take the 11 points from the first game and the seven rebounds there from the second game and shooting it at 50%, you say that, hey, he's about the same player that he was two years ago. But it's just summer league. We've only seen two games from him and a more developed body, a bigger understanding for how the team off operates on the offensive and defensive end from being able to sit out these two seasons and see the Warriors thrive to an NBA championship and learn the system and know and know what it takes to contribute in this system. Hell, if James Wiseman was there against Robert Williams in the NBA Finals to give Kevon Looney some extra minutes, Looney would have been an even better center than what we saw from him. And Kevon Looney was already great. Give Kevon those minutes in those rests and have someone to the caliber to be able to compete against Robert Williams in that dunker spot on the athletic end at the center position. That would have been a great matchup to watch. And for the Golden State Warriors, they lose athleticism with Gary Payton II coming out. That rebounding ability of Otto Porter Jr. off of the bench. But now if James Wiseman can average seven rebounds, eight rebounds per game as a backup center. And then eventually if he takes over and he shows great improvement to have basically split minutes with Kevon Looney, the Warriors center position, that's the issue of the Achilles heel they have had since the departure of Andrew Bogut to be able to invest and have another guy come and perform a draft pick for Joe Lacob and the crew. That's the missing piece that the Warriors need. And James Wiseman has all of that potential. And speaking of potential, we talk about Jonathan Kaminga. He had an amazing game against the Boston Celtics. He erupted. He came to play. He came to show. 29 points for JK. And he shot 50% from the field on 22 attempts. Shot... 5 for 8, 62% from the free throw line. That has been the issue from Kaminga all summer league long. And 2 of 7, 28% from beyond the arc. He also picked up a block and a couple of rebounds. But Jonathan Kaminga, his ability to go into the lane is something that is unseen. His athletic plays, you know, he rises over the rim. But what has impressed me the most is... His ability and his flashes, just like James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga is still pretty raw. He saw more minutes, of course, last season. And with Draymond Green being out, we had an entire podcast talking about 
how he was going to be that David Lee taking or he was going to be in that situation where Draymond Green had to take over for David Lee when the Warriors first made that move. And Jonathan Kaminga was great for a month in the regular season, no doubt about it. He contributed to the team and I do not want to hear anyone say that, hey, Jonathan Kaminga, you know, what did he really do? He only played, what, a game or two, started those two games there in that series against Dallas, and he might not have been a factor in the playoffs, but when Draymond Green was out, he helped the Warriors grind out those victories and secure the seed that they needed to not have a tougher matchup there in the first round and a tougher road to an NBA Finals. Now, Going back to Jonathan Kaminga, Jonathan Kaminga, the flashes I saw of him being able to understand that he is more athletic, that he can just bump off of a body and finish at the rim, or as he's driving, you know, take a little step back there, stop on a dime, and shoot a nice-looking jumper. That jumper looked so nice against the Boston Celtics. I have not seen that jumper be that nice all of last season. It looked just silky smooth that you knew that it was going to go in there. And the comps to Giannis or the comps to Kawhi Leonard, those are what Warriors fans are going to say. And we have our expectations to high up there to another level because we think Jonathan Kaminga can be a star in the future. And it has shown there with his mid-range game, if Jonathan Kaminga can just understand that he does not have to keep on dribbling and pounding the ball and going with a spin move every time because someone's going to pull a chair, someone's going to be there off the help defender or the low man and suffocate and basically force a turnover, force an out-of-bounds off of your foot, or get a jump ball that we've seen, then Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a hard guy to stop. You know, if you want to create a wall on him like people do with Giannis, you got to respect his jumper. And if he is going from the three-point line early on, well, that translates to all areas of his game, whether it's the second level or the third level finishing into the lane. Now, free throws. It's just a psychological thing for Jonathan Kaminga. In the past two games there, um, we take a look at the Boston Celtics numbers. He... Improved 5 for 8 from the field, but the past game against the San Antonio Spurs for Jonathan Kaminga, not pretty at all. 7 of 18 from the free throw line, right? And he had 28 points against the San Antonio Spurs. And also, again, against the Boston Celtics, 29 points. So he is definitely a scorer and he knows how to get to the free throw line. That is an aspect, that is an element that the Warriors really utilized last season off of the bench if the Warriors needed a bucket you know hey maybe they were down by 10 or 12 they need a little bit of that energy spark heading into halftime let's put Jonathan Kaminga in he'll probably be able to get at least four free throws driving to the rim in five minute spurts of action and that is something the Warriors have not had um, for I would say all of their title run you know until they had uh, KD of course and you know this season Andrew Wiggins attacking the basket and Moses Moody, we saw that 30-point explosion uh, early on in Summer League. We saw 21 points out of him as well against the San Antonio Spurs. The dynamic duo of Jonathan Kabinga and Moses Moody. But also, Mac McClung. That's who the Warriors fans are talking about. That, hey, we need to give him touches to be able to pass it into the paint for James Wiseman and you know we saw James Wiseman off of the camera and there was a lot of reports uh saying that 
uh, hey, Wiseman was demanding the ball. He was getting it to his teammates, saying that, hey, I'm open. Give me the ball. And you love to see that out of your big man. You want a dominant big man that, hey, if you can steal the guy out, get great penetration down low in the paint, lob him up to James Wiseman. Let him work down low. And against the Boston Celtics, there was a play where I forgot who was trying to give him the ball. But he was there three seconds into the key already because his teammate just didn't see that he was open there. And Wiseman tried to back it down. He eventually made the basket, but it didn't count because, hey, three seconds into the key. Mac McClung has been an offensive explosion for the Golden State Warriors. He is great for Summer League. Don't, no doubt about it. His crazy Euro step, his Rajon Rondo-like pump fake and layup to finish. He has been an absolute show for the Golden State Warriors. Now, does he deserve a spot? That's a whole different question. I would say absolutely not. He can remain with the Santa Cruz Warriors, though, if he decides and elects that he wants to remain a warrior and not go back to the South Bay Lakers for their crew down there in L.A. Because Mac McClung is a scorer. He's a bucket getter. His height has definitely plagued him and has been an issue, I think, and why he has not made an NBA roster. And when he does, he has been terrific for the LA Lakers. We saw him actually take on the Golden State Warriors a couple times last season. You pair him up there with Austin Reeves in the dynamic backcourt there of McClung and Reeves last season, whenever we saw the two together. But Mac McClung, good for a summer league. I don't think necessarily fits the Golden State Warriors offense and their motion offense. Not that great at being able to pass the ball. He cannot throw an entry pass to James Wiseman or other bigs as we've seen all summer long. But on the defensive end, pretty pesky. Now, speaking of a guy that is also pretty pesky, and I've talked about last time was... Lester Quinones, I liked what I saw out of Lester, um, did not have the best of game against the Boston Celtics, you know, Warriors came storming back from that one, you know, as they've been down all summer league long, also had a tough outing against the San Antonio Spurs, so the past two games, not the best for Lester Quinones, but I have, I love his two-way capability on the defensive end, I think you pair him up with Quindary Weatherspoon, and you have two guys um, with that body type and that length, 3 and D type of situation in which they can hold their own, hop in there in that GP2 role and cover 94 feet. And I've seen a lot of that in Summer League, especially though from Quindary. And Spoons has been amazing on the defensive end. I think the Warriors are going to utilize them a lot. And also I've been hearing rumors that Quindary Weatherspoon will be used a lot Um more than what Warriors fans expect them to be used this season. On that defensive end, again, coming in for or replacing GP2. And hey, GP2, a thief, absolutely on the ball. I'm not saying that Quindary is going to fill in that role immediately, but he can provide for what the tangible skills were for GP2, right? His length, his wingspan, his ability to just be a dog and be gritty. And I think he understands um, what to do off the ball on the offensive end. You know, be in that dunker spot, those cuts that GP2 made. We've seen Weatherspoon receive it and cut to the rim and finish strongly for several and ones this summer league. I love what I'm seeing out of Quindary Weatherspoon, and I think he's going to be another guy Bob Myers and company has picked up. We saw what he did 
in the Christmas Day game there in Phoenix. Great on the defensive end there, a stopper. And I think he's going to bring what we saw in that Christmas Day game and bring that to the 82-game season for the Warriors this year. I am an absolute psycho, and I just have so much time to watch these Summer League games, especially the Golden State Warriors. If the Warriors aren't playing, I'm watching other Summer League games as well. I just have so much to say about this Warriors Summer League team, and it's a lot to overreact like what I'm doing right now because that's that's my job as a podcast host, as someone that covers the team. we got to analyze every single little thing about the Golden State Warriors, and Another thing to analyze is the reports of Brian Windhorst and Rick Buecher talking about how the Warriors do have interest with a goal. The Warriors do have interest, excuse me, about getting Kevin Durant back on the roster. And basically what Rick Buecher said is he's hearing rumblings that Steph Curry has reached out to Kevin Durant and also for Brian Windhorse that there were reports about the Warriors internally talking about bringing Kevin Durant back. And, you know, he made an analogy about a pie and saying that, like, there's a, a small chance of it so happening, but he's not going to deny it because his sources are telling him that there are rumblings and talks about it. Now, what I will get into this is I will say that Steph can ultimately shut it down, right? Other people on the team can say, hey, Kevin Durant is not coming. Bob Myers, Joe Wakeup can completely shut it down, but they're not. So I see why Warriors fans and those reports could potentially be true about Kevin Durant wanting to return because none of the players on the team, the higher-ups, aren't saying an absolute definitive no. Now, should the Warriors do this? Should they mortgage their future? And we got into it a little bit last podcast episode about the Warriors having to give up a lot of their future picks, probably pick swaps, Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, and Andrew Wiggins. That's a lot. And of course, we know the situation with Andrew Wiggins off the uh, rookie extension. You can't have two players off that rookie extension policy on the same team and acquiring one on the trade. So if you went to Brooklyn, Ben Simmons would have to be shipped out or Andrew Wiggins would have to be part of a three-team trade. He wouldn't be going to Brooklyn. Now, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, who are you wanting to give up? Now, I want to see what you all have to say. Obviously, can't do that right now. This isn't a live show. You can't call in. But you can respond to me back on my Twitter at bkadiz0. And, of course, our podcast page of Strength and Numbers on Twitter at dubs underscore strength t-d-u-b-s underscore strength now i want to hear you guys tweet at me saying if you were the golden state warriors obviously i think a lot of fans would not be able to give up all three of those young guys and wiseman um pool or kaminga maybe even moody in there so what combination would make you satisfied enough to include those youngsters in the deal for a potential Kevin Durant return. Now, there is a very interesting um, scenario in which if the Warriors, you know, didn't want to give up all three of those guys, would you be able, would you be willing enough to give up a Draymond Green, which I don't think the Brooklyn Nets take, but the other scenario was Clay Thompson in the deal. Now, 
If you lose Clay Thompson in the deal, of course, just like GP2, Clay Thompson near and dear to Warriors fans and Dub Nation's hearts. But I think if you're losing a score, you're bringing in a score like Kevin Durant. So you lose 20 points, you bring in 20 points. That's how I look at it. Of course, Clay Thompson was not his best self this season from the defensive standpoint and I know what those Achilles and knee injuries say historically on the medical side that the second year is going to be the better year for that player and in his return so Kevin Durant for Clay Thompson you still have Steph on the team you lose that splash brother though would that be something that if you're a Warriors fan you'd want to happen personally for me as I said last podcast episode the Warriors spent all of this time, all of this time tanking that one season, developing the young core for the future. And Joe Lacob has said already that on the TK Tim Kawakami podcast that those projection, projections of 400 to 500 million off the salary cap is not something that he is going to go. And he said that he was not going to lie to Warriors fans that next season would be a tough season to retain all of these guys. So what is Joe Lacob going to stay with? Is he going to stay with his philosophy of being able to compete every single season and build for the future, right? Once Curry Thompson and Green leave with the big three. Do you still want that young core to compete down the line? Or are you going to mortgage all of that for a guaranteed window in the next three to four years of having the big three alongside Kevin Durant to potentially three-peat or maybe even a four-peat if you give up the future? Is it the short game or the long game you want to play with? And I think if I'm Joe Lacob and Bob Myers, you've stuck so far to the philosophy of being able to compete once your big three retired. On the other hand, when you're looking at that move, it's also not trying to win now, but also a move of not having to pay those guys, right? Jordan Poole, contract extension, that's not happening this season. Andrew Wiggins, that contract extension, thank you for your performance, thank you for your improvement, but we are not going to make that deal this season. Are the Warriors going to make that deal next season or before the NBA trade deadline for this upcoming season? And Jordan Poole is going to be a restricted free agent, though, uh, next season. Not this upcoming season, but the next season. And Kevin Durant, about $40 million per year. You have four years of team control for him. But the scenario you also get with Kevin Durant is what if after... You know, potentially he wins two rings with the Golden State Warriors again. What if he decides to leave? And what if he's not happy and you gave up all of these options? There's a lot of these scenarios in which Kevin Durant can have success on the court. But off the court, mentally, that could be an issue. We saw it at OKC. We saw the debacle that him and Draymond Green had. How he did not like playing with Steve Kerr. How there was a little bit of back and forth between the two the rumors were now after kevin durant is not happy after winning two more championships with the golden state warriors in this hypothetical are you going to have enough value to ship him off he is what 33 34 now so in his age 35 36 37 season you trade him his value is not obviously going to be as high now when you're looking at the warriors now it's different with 
different and similar. Clay Thompson, two injuries, two major injuries. Kevin Durant, that one major Achilles injury in his career. Clay Thompson does not have the same trade value that he did two years ago in the 2019 NBA Finals. You know, if he didn't get injured and the Warriors lost, and now we're talking about Clay Thompson still at the peak of his um, peak of his career right now, then obviously if you ship him off, that trade value is at another level. Now, if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I steer clear of Kevin Durant. You do not want to waste and mortgage the future for that. There was also that interview of Bob Myers saying that how he wants he wants to compete with the Los Angeles Lakers in their title run. What was it? It was on the TK podcast again. The Lakers had a run of what, like 16 NBA Finals appearances in 30 seasons, so almost half. And Joe Lacob said himself that, hey, I need to do 10 more of that in about a 20-year span. So if you want to be able to reach that platform that the Lakers had in that dynasty way back then, then you cannot waste the future and trade away Moody, Kaminga, Poole, and Wiseman. Now, this is an interesting take that I'll have if the Warriors do decide to trade those three guys or four guys or whatever in Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, Poole, whatever combination you want there. You drafted these guys in D. Santos, Lester Quinones, Patrick Baldwin Jr., and Ryan Rollins. And Patrick Baldwin Jr. was a gamble. He was going to be a top five pick, potentially a lottery pick. And now he has succumbed due to those injuries falling later into the NBA draft. Ryan Rollins is supposed to be Jordan Poole 2.0. And another guy that can score at all three levels fits the offense of the Golden State Warriors. Lester Quinones, a two-way guy. Guy Santos, the potential and his rawness. You know, a lot of coming overseas, we see a lot of his play, at least the playmaking-wise, to Luka Doncic already in Summer League. Now, I'm not saying he's at that level, but I'm saying that European players understand the game at a different level. International players do understand the game at a different level and can execute and make the timely pass, and that's what we see out of Guy Santos. Does Bob Myers and Joe Lacob want to mortgage the future that they developed for on these future guys that can potentially step into the role of Jordan Poole, that's Ryan Rollins. For a guy like Patrick Baldwin Jr. that could play the role of a Jonathan Kaminga, maybe in his upside of how raw he is and ship Kaminga and Poole away? I don't know. And I don't think it makes sense because Moody, Poole, Kaminga, Wiseman, that's your future starting lineup there. And then if you develop these next guys that you just drafted in the 2022 NBA draft and Baldwin, Rollins, Quinones, Santos, then you have yourself your eight-man rotation right there for the future once the big three, Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green retire. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strength and Numbers. Make sure to hit follow on Twitter at dubs underscore strength for our podcast page there for Strength and Numbers. Follow me, your host, Brandon Cadiz, on Twitter at bcadiz0, B-C-A-D-I-Z-0. And, of course, where we house this podcast on Rick Barry's house. That's Rick Barry House on Twitter. You can get this podcast. You can get the Rick Barry podcast and Size Corner Podcast, all on that network. And all of this, of course, is on the Believe Podcast Network. We are your number one source for all Golden State Warriors news. We got the Hall of Famer Rick Barry himself. You got myself here speaking for the fans 
and for Dub Nation. You got Cyrus Saatsas, who is also on Locked On Warriors. You can listen to his podcast, Size Corner, for very detailed news as of the Golden State Warriors, as well as the San Francisco 49ers and all other Bay Area sports. Next week, we'll get into the end of Summer League. Do the Warriors pick up other guys in free agency? We'll just have to see. Will Andre Iguodala still come back? Maybe we'll have all of that answered in next week's episode. But as always, we appreciate each and every single one of you guys tuning into our podcast every single week. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks again, guys. And until next week, this has been Strength in Numbers. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.